Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Friday with Friends, and I have a new friend, Karen Rolf. Karen is an expert dressage teacher. She pioneered a new niche in the horse industry by combining two seemingly different styles of riding. And she works with horses to improve their biomechanics by focusing on the mental and emotional components, posture, and movement. She also mentors other heart-centered equine professionals. I had such a wonderful time interviewing her, and I want to take up dressage myself after this interview. So enjoy. Welcome, Karen. Nice to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to to be here today. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what it is you do and how you got there and all all the good stuff? (laughs) Sure. Uh, So I do what I call is dressage naturally. So I guess I should say right away, I'm an equestrian. I work with horses. So dressage naturally combines the principles of more partnership-based training with the classical art of dressage. So what I really do is I empower equestrians to create stronger partnerships and healthy movement with their horses and to do it in a way that they and their horses can really enjoy. Mm. So how did you start that idea and what does it involve exactly? This um, connection, obviously, it's really important. I've actually worked with quite a few equestrians and ones who specialize in dressage. And I do know how much their own connection to their own core and center um, and stabilizing well there helps this conduit of connection to the horse. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I started out as a dressage rider and then became a professional. So dressage is a very refined sport. It's compared a lot um, to dancing. So the horses go sideways and we do things called pirouettes and and things like that. It's very precise. It's in competition. There's an arena with specific markers and it's you have to really, you know, go exactly there and be straight and not lose rhythm and balance. So it's very much like dancing. But I started out as just a horse crazy kid who just loved horses. 
So I went from horse crazy kid to becoming fascinated with, with dressage, getting good enough at it to become a professional. And then later sort of came full circle and realized, you know, in, in all this professionalism, I've missed some of the crazy kid in love with my horse feeling. And, you know, ended up discovering or diving back into what's called natural horsemanship, where the partnership with the horse and the relationship with the horse took a higher priority. So that put me in a position where I I could remember those feelings. That's what was always in my heart. You know, I just love horses, number one. But in the dressage world, really became expert in the physical part of it the gymnastic part of it, the physical development, how to change their posture and their balance and get these horses to do really intricate maneuvers. And then in the natural horsemanship or more partnership-based training, really reconnected with the emotional and the mental part of it. And so just like what you said, the connection of our core and our balance on top of this moving creature it's kind of like trying to balance a broomstick on your hand, right? So everything's moving. And, you know, there's the art and science of that. But what I'm realizing is that the mental emotional part is not just some like silly stuff you do because it feels good, but how much, you know, when you're training horses, you have to remember like they never asked for this. They didn't say, hey, can I go do dressage lessons? You know, can I take me to ballet school? So in working with the mental emotional part so that they participate in it and they're in a posture of inspiration or enthusiasm or you know calmness all wrapped into one is really important because postures for you know if they're feeling defensive or bored or afraid or not trusting you know you can do all the physical manipulation you want but you're doing it on a body that's trying to embody, you know, boredom or defensiveness or whatever it is. So I think that's where it gets really interesting. So the connection is not just the physical connection, but the mental, emotional relationship connection also. Yes. And I love that. And I think unlike going to dance class just for yourself, you are really going as if you have a partner and that partner is your horse. And just like you would in ballroom dancing, for instance, which I've done with my husband, you are communicating with each other. And, you know, it's interesting because when we were practicing for our wedding, we wanted to have a choreographed dance because we didn't want to have that kind of like, you're just like going back and forth in the middle of the room. And (laughs) we both are, you know, love dance and my husband's an actor. So really wanted to make it an experience for everyone. And in the training that we did in ballroom dancing, our instructor said that a lot of people start off this way and in prep for a wedding. And some don't make it to the wedding because <laughs> there's like a lot of communication yep. that you wouldn't even realize that is underlying and hasn't been brought to surface comes up, whether it's one person's trying to push and lead or one person is being bored or what. And it's it's fascinating to have that with another sentient being who you otherwise don't communicate with in the same language. So what do you like what are the some of the first steps you have with somebody when you're teaching them about this very important emotional tr- 
trust and and connection. And and I love how you said it's a buy-in because, you know, as an animal activist, none of us really love horse racing because that seems like it's a very, and I'm sure as a dressage person, you don't like that either. It's like, it's a, you're just working the horse for this goal. And I'm sure horse people who race care about their animals, but uh, I love how this is like a little bit, well, it's a lot more emotionally connected because you, in a way, are trying to get the permission to move forward to the next stage of your relationship. Is that how you find it when you're first introducing yeah. somebody? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much in what you said. And I have to say, I took ballroom dancing um, with my first husband. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that was not the reason. Why and things are revealed, divorce. right? <laughs> but I, you know, here's the thing is, yeah, you know, you do these exercises and I'm like, stop pushing me over. You're pushing me. He's like, I'm not pushing you. You're pulling me, you know, and then we'd each go with our instructors separately and amazing, you know. So it's this interplay of balance. And yeah, and all those things come up, all those things that come up when you're doing ballroom dancing, come up with horses, but you, you know, <laughs> you can't just blame the horse because it's easy to, tempting to, but you know, you have to remember they never asked for any of this. So it's always the human's responsibility in, in my mind. And, you know, I get what you're saying about racing and it's not just racing in a lot of sports, the animal is used as a a means to an end or, you know, a tool, or I paid a lot of money for you. So you have to perform. And that's where, you know, my priority is the connection. Why did I get into horses in the first place? Because I love them and they're just amazing creatures. So if I'm not doing everything with that in the front of my mind, then I'm just, you know, a, a body mover around her. And that's not interesting to me. Because the real magic happens when you think it and they do it. So I think one of the most interesting things and some of the things that come out first when I'm introducing this kind of way of training horses is to realize, number one, that we are by nature predators. Our eyes are in the front of our heads. Their eyes are on the side of their heads. And they know it from the minute they see us. Now, we are, as humans, we're omnivores. So we have a choice. We can act like a predator or not act like a predator. So to kind of own that when they see us, they see predator in their, in their cells. So what are we going to do to overcome that and prove to them that they don't need to be defensive around us? So it's about us being trustworthy. And the other important piece is that animal horses, especially I think animals, I think we all do this, but prey animals really need to do this, is they read intention and body language. They're experts, right? So you see the National Geographic special, there's the herd of zebras, there's the lions, a lion gets up to stretch, ah, turn around and lays back down. Now, if the zebras didn't know that, what their intention was and couldn't read it, they'd be running off every time the lion got up and turned around and then they'd be out of energy. But they also have to know when the lion's laying there going, I'm feeling a little hungry. And then they get up and you can, you know, they have to see the difference. And that's, I think that when we talk about natural horsemanship is something a lot of people will call this partnership-based training. The natural part to me is that you're matching up your intention and your body language. And we as humans practice disconnecting that a lot. 
oh yeah, Mary, you look great in that dress, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, socially, there's lots of times where we're saying something we don't believe or feel on the inside. And horses really require us to be much more authentic. It has to make sense. Otherwise, they're going, she's thinking one thing and it's doing another, and they don't know, they don't know what to do with that. And they then try to guess. And then, you know, we're applying techniques, but we're not feeling it. We're not, we're not acting natural. So I think that's one of the the biggest things that if people aren't used to being with horses in that way, it's they're amazed at how quickly it becomes a very personal, very self-introspective endeavor to kind of own what's going on in the inside of us. And I can imagine just by everything you're saying that it makes you a better person to work with a horse because you have to be very grounded and clear and honest. And humble. Oh, so humble. (laughs) Yes. Right. And like, no matter what is happening in your own personal space, your own life, you have to really show up and be the best version of that. Because if you're stressed or low or whatever, I'm I'm sure they pick up on all of that. I mean, do you find that it's kind of like a yoga practice at the end, you feel so much better. Do you find that like after being with the horse, I mean, I I know this is rhetorical in a way, but it's also just so fascinating that you having just been in their presence, become just happier, clearer, and a better version of yourself. Yeah, when when it's done well, you'll either feel much better or much worse because there's nothing like a horse to point out everything, you know, that you're doing that's not making sense. So, can you can you give a couple examples of like what that would look like if when you say you feel worse because they're pointing it out? Oh, I had one horse where I literally had to change how I thought about him before I left the house. So he would be out in a herd and I'd be like getting all ambitious. Like, oh, I'm going to work on my flying changes today. And I got this plan, you know, very human direct line. I got a plan. I got an idea. This is what we're going to do. And I'd go out there and he'd like, I swear he'd see me coming and he'd he'd take the other herd and be like, come on guys, let's get out of here. And they would just leave. And you know, he kept doing this again and again, but I started to realize that when he would do that was the days that I was really excited to get out there and have my plan. <laughs> so I, re- you know, before I even went out, and this is one of the things I teach in my course, like change the way you're thinking about your horse. I thought, I'm just going to love on him. I'm just going to be like, how lucky am I that I get to go outside and be with my horses and, you know, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude not grasping at what I'm trying to do, but just gratitude, gratitude. And I go out there and it's hard to like not think about something, right? So I had, what am I going to think about? So I go out there and I just start looking at all the other horses and I go, oh, Phoenix, you're so beautiful today. Oh, Luna, look at how gorgeous you are. And then the horse Monty, who's the one I really wanted to play with, he'd sort of be like, suspicious, right? Skeptical. He'd be watching me. And then I'd just be like, love, love, gratitude, love. And he'd come over and be like, what about me? And I go, you're beautiful too. And he like, can I come and play with you? Yeah. And then he'd follow me back to the barn. But if I even thought about anything 
grasping, you know, anything of like what I'm going to try to get, he'd gone. So I do a lot of liberty work as part of my program because um, then you really get to see your horse's choices. And, you know, that's so opposite the normal classical training, which is very precise, you know? Yeah. When you say liberty work, what do you mean by that? Yeah. That's when you're playing with your horse in a space and there's no rope, there's no halter, there's nothing attached. So you're just using body language and, you know, you're working the space um, where you're positioning yourself, where you're sending your energy, what your energy feels like. And you, you just play together. And I guess the, well, there's, two intentions. A lot of times people will say the intention is to get your horse to be with you. My intention is I want to find out the truth. How is my horse thinking about me today? And they either run around the edges or they want to hang out with you. And, you know, sometimes it's the art of spatially moving them and then they find the safe spot with you. And sometimes it's literally going out there and just changing what I'm thinking until I, I become someone that they want to hang out with. And then from there we can build. And then there's a game of, you know, how much can you ask of them and have them still choose to be with you? So it can get pretty intense. Like you're asking horses to do high energy things or intense things, close range when they could leave, and but they're deciding to stay, which is pretty awesome. Or you can just make it the game, like some horses are hard to catch. They don't want to be caught. And then the game is, how do I have to be so that they end up walking over to me and wanting to hang out with me? Oh, that's got to feel so, just so gratifying when there's like a, a, a more challenging, you know, player and mm-hmm. they end up choosing to come to you. Again, I imagine it does just so much good for your own soul work to, to, to exactly have patience. And it's that, it's the non-grasping, that yoga quality of like just they're not being attached to the outcome, but just simply being and mm-hmm. like having this larger being that is in touch with emotions, probably in a way that we are not as at our best, choose to to come and be in your be in your energetic orb. Yeah. Yeah. The bubble, as we call it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I just think yeah. that's fascinating. Now can you give us a little story about maybe one of the more challenging horses and, and what you needed to do for that? And I'm also curious, obviously, every animal is an individual and has personality, but I'm sure just like with humans, the upbringing, the background stays in there, has an influence. So maybe have you ever worked with, an, with a horse that had you know, some kind of psychological wound? Yeah, um, some kind I, of background. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I have. Um, some of those have been the most gratifying when it comes around. Like that horse, Monty, I was telling you about. Like he he came to me. He was given to me because he was you know quote unquote crazy. But there's uh, this one horse popped into my mind to talk about. It was a horse named named Phoenix. He had had you know he was in the dressage world and. A judge actually ended up buying him because she kept judging him over the years and seeing him get worse and worse and worse and worse. And she was so horrified. She's just like, I need to buy him. Um, But at that point, he had had a lot of physical troubles, you know, vets, injections, everything you can name. Still wasn't quite sound, um, looked horrible and was very untrusting. And 
then when she had him, she actually had an incident with him in the stall where he just came around and just like clobbered her with his head on her head, knocked her down. I mean, he just, he had had it. Uh, and so she she called me and said, asked if I would take him and work with him. And yeah, so there's a lot of, again, mistrust and a lot. I knew he had had a life of being physically manipulated and physically told what to do. And again, when you're moving a body and the body doesn't want to be doing it, it's just all brace, fighting against brace. And and then, you know, then the cycle of defensiveness in their attitude, which just creates more brace, which creates, you know, more equipment in, you know, can you imagine doing a yoga class? And if your student wasn't doing it, you just, you know, strap them up. And I don't mean, you know, like the elastic bands or blocks. I mean, like tie their, you know, yeah. but this is what happens with horses. They literally will like strap them down, you know, and poke them with spurs. So I knew that that's where he came from. So one of the first things I did was to not do anything. And I just spent a lot of time being with him. And just, you know, kind of blowing his mind that I didn't ask him anything. And then I, I took out this saddle. I, I had an old saddle and I put it on the fence. And, you know, what do they think about that? And he would avoid it. And then eventually he came over, he knocked it off the fence and he stomped on it. You know, and it, it was an old yucky saddle. So that that's what it was for. Because often horses will tell you what they think about things. And this was equipment that had been put on him, you know, for a decade. So just lots of giving him choices, which is really powerful. What do you want to do? And everything is okay. Whatever you choose is okay. Within like, you're not allowed to run me over. Right, know? right, yeah. But even if he was trying to run me over, I'd go on the other side of the fence. Like, I'm not going to punish him. Like, try not to punish him. Let him just start to relax. And he was very rideable. He was tolerant, which is something that happens with horses. They go into learn helplessness because they learn to just tolerate stuff, which is horrible to me. Obligingness is often a, a high quality in horses. I'm like, no, I don't want my horse to oblige. I want them to participate. So I remember this time I tacked him up, I had the saddle on and I was sitting on the fence to have them mount. And I teach my horses to, to like I sit on the fence and they, they'll come to me to allow me to mount them. And he would do that. He learned that pretty quickly. He'd come over but if I waited a second, I could feel his energy ball up and then he'd leave. And I had him in a safe space. So I'd sit on the fence, I'd call him over, he'd come over and he'd just start to get tense and then he'd leave and I'd let him leave. And I, for two weeks, I did this until he finally came and he went, and he just like, that was it. He's like, you can get on me now. And so that permission, right? So he knew what I what was going to happen and I waited for permission. And, you know, you think of, you know, with people, with consent, you know, like, yeah, it's nice to have someone you love rub your neck, but if it's someone you don't know, trust or like, that feels horrible. So to really honor um, their bodies, their emotions, and to say, you know, I give you this choice and wait for permission. So he gave me permission. And, and then for another couple of weeks, I just, I would get on and I just sit there. And it took him a couple of weeks before he realized he could move and I let him move wherever he wanted. And, and, you know, after a while, you could just feel him going, oh, like it's going to be okay. And, and he went really well. And I ended up riding for like a year 
And then there was one moment where I was able to ask, you know, gradually asking for more and more of him. And then there was a moment where I was asking for this really high level maneuver. It's called pee off and they're trotting in place. So it's a real beautiful movement, but it's like, it can be a pressure cooker, right? Cause you're saying go and don't go at the same time. And he knew how to do it. So I was like, come on, you can do this. And then he, he had a little flashback, I think. And he, he just reared up in the air. And as he's rearing, I thought, okay, I've got a choice here. How am I going to handle this? Because that's a pretty extreme behavior that I don't really want horses to do. But on his way up, you know, time kind of slows down when it's a scary situation. So he goes straight up in the air. And I just started rubbing him and saying, that was an awesome rear. You're so magnificent. Look at you. And I just kept praising because I thought, this is probably not what he's expecting. And he came down off of it and he just snorted and shook his head and he kind of was like, really? And I'm like, you're amazing. (laughs) And from that moment on, he was like, oh, we're so good. (laughs) And I ended up actually reuniting him with the judge who had bought him. And and I remember the day I put her on him and, and she was scared. And I was like, just go for a walk. And she kept shortening the reins. I'm like, just, just, you can trust them. Just go for a walk. And she just hacked them out. And it was like, oh my God, you know, that's just, that warms my heart. Oh, like, Karen, I love about. that story about Phoenix. I just think that's so, you know, it just shows you how with tenderness and patience that trust can come, but it might take time. And, There's a lot of barriers to overcome and to not trigger any of those memories or those stressful feelings. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh, I could ask you so many questions, (laughs) but I want to find out about your program Mm -hmm. that you offer. So you offer an online program for this Mm -hmm. natural natural dressage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I have I have several several programs. So the first thing that I um, did was I wrote a book. Um, so I have a book and a DVD. It's been translated into German and Polish. So I'm super proud of that. And then the next virtual, the first virtual program that I made was, um, it's an online, it's my video classroom and it's a subscription-based site. So I add new videos every month. So there's like 400 videos. It's We were having our 10-year anniversary of the classroom. Oh, congratulations. And, you were yeah. at it a long, to- long time ago. Yeah. 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 I was, yeah. Back when they didn't have pre-existing templates for such thing on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> we had to build it ourselves. Um, so yeah, that's been going on. And that's really fun because I have videos of me riding my own horses or coaching students or having guest instructors coming in. And it's kind of videos on a whole range. Um uh, in there. And then I created some step-by-step courses. So the three main areas that I focus on are partnership and foundation, then healthy biomechanics, and then gymnastics. So I have three online courses. So I have the Habits for Excellent Horsemanship, then the Finding the Sweet Spot of Healthy Biomechanics course, and then the Upward Spiral of Successful Gymnastics. And those are step-by-step and we have live Q&A calls. So students from around the world, I, we get to talk to in, in some of the courses every week. And I have four coaches that help me do the calls and we do um, video private video coaching also. So it's really fun because you know when I teach live clinics, I might go to an area for three days and then not go back there for years. 
And in the online courses, I can see video clips of them. I can talk to them every week. So you really get that consistency and forming the habits and, you know, to get through those sticky moments where if you're by yourself at home, you might, you know, feel discouraged or give up. There's always someone to reach out to. That's fabulous. I know. I'm always surprised at how close and intimate an online community can be. I have one as well in the yoga world. Now, of course, as a PT, I want to ask you about your second program about the biomechanics and the sweet spot. Can you just tell us how similar is it to like sitting in a chair and or standing in terms of your best posture and how that translates on the horse for biomechanics? Yeah, it's really similar. I mean, it's really the the rider position is just good human posture. You know, with you know, standing, sitting, it's the neutral pelvis. And then really all of riding, the the active part of it takes place kind of between your belly button and the top of your the rest is decoration (laughs) you know the top half you're just trying to like stabilize so it doesn't wobble off your pelvis and the legs are kind of accessories in case your seat and weight aids aren't working so you know things like pilates yoga all really help for riding the tricky part is what's happening underneath you which is the horse's biomechanics and that's where things get kind of interesting but it just like with people it's about using your core their you them using their core and getting their hind legs engaged and carrying lightening you know the the front end and being in self carriage and in balance mm. so your own good biomechanics on the horse could actually improve a horse's biomechanics say they were just not as yeah. you know just i guess practiced in in good biomechanics yeah absolutely i mean the the everything about you is going to influence the horse. And um, you can see horses transform before your very eyes, like just someone who's, who naturally has a way of uh, managing their energy and their posture will sit on a horse and it might not improve the horse's posture immediately, except that it will, if there's things happening that are getting in its way, it'll get rid of those. And so it'll improve, you know, (laughs) this horse still has to learn and strengthen their own muscles. But if you're sitting on a horse crooked, the horse is going to get crooked. And so now if somebody, if you straighten up or someone else who is straight gets on, the horse will, the the compensatory crookedness will disappear and things like that. Absolutely. I mean, it's so, such fine control of shifting your own center of gravity on the horse and controlling that you can have a, you know, your your core being activated, but your butt muscles relaxed. <laughs> you know, that's hard. That is hard. Wow. <laughs> so you have um, to, because you have to kind of meld with the, right. the saddle. Yeah, so it's not be, squeezing. Yeah, right. you want your legs just draped like wet towels. Um, and of course, if you're not balanced, then you're going to have to hold on. And so it's, you know, in dressage, there's a very close connection. It's like dancing the waltz. But the success of that comes from having an independent seat to have your own self-carriage. You can ride without the reins and the horse can ride without the reins. And now that you're together, now you can connect through this. That's amazing. So I'm curious, Karen, for your own, how long have you been doing this? And, And can you tell us a little bit about your daily kind of routine, what you do to stay in your best condition, maybe both physically and mentally to be, you know, optimal yeah. dressage partner. Oh, 
Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been doing horses since I was a wee little kid, you know, seven years old summer camp with <laughs> horses. And then just really through competing a lot through college and in college, um, uh, people started paying me to ride and train. So I, I wasn't supposed to have a dressage career, but it just sort of went that way. So I've been doing this a long time. What keeps me at my best is when I'm really at my best, I'm doing yoga and running. Because I think the running, well, just the stamina and the fitness, but the mental, the mental, I don't know, there's something about doing running, you know, when you get up to like past mile eight, your brain does really cool things. Yes, yes. You've unloaded unloaded a lot of stuff by then. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm very self-entertaining, you know, so like get me and my brain out there on a run. It's like, yeah, I'm good. But the also the um, riding is very isometric. It's like we we sit like this, and like the whole point is to not move. So I find yoga, you know, just so good. All the stretches and twists and things like that really help to find the center. And the the kind of training I do with horses, a lot of people said, "Oh, this is like yoga for horses." As one of my sort of signature exercises for helping horses find their balance is that I do a lot of playing off of midline. You know, I do, can you go in this lateral position? Can you go in this lateral position? And then I leave them alone and see where they go. And if they go back crooked, then I explore over here. And I do a lot of, you know, I call I call them like the, you know, shoulder in asana, like we'll go and we'll halt in a position that has a bend and a displacement of the shoulders off the line of travel. And then I practice sitting there breathing and relaxing in that position. And then we do another one. And in between, I let the horse, I like, now how do you feel? And that's what's really cool is when horses realize that even though when you ask them to do those positions, they might think, that's weird. That's hard. Why are you asking me to do this? But if you do it regularly, then they actually feel stretched out or they strengthen the weak leg and then they start to choose this place in the middle where they have figured out feels the best because I let them do their crookedness and then I tempt them to do mine with a lot of relaxation and reward and then I let them go wherever they want and pretty soon they just find the middle. So the this is where I really bridge the partnership-based training with the classical training, the precision, because I partic- have my horses participate in finding the place because I have this crazy idea that balance and freedom of movement and alignment should feel good. Oh, amen. Even to the horse. Yes. Right? Even to the horse. So yes. why are we strapping the horse's head in places if balance should feel good? If it feels good, they should seek it if you give them the opportunity to, to experience it with freedom. Hmm. I love that. So that's that's kind of the, how I kind of my secret sauce for blending these two things, and you know, and I mean, it's the same for for people. You know, the med- meditation. Per, I mean, personal development for me, horse horsemanship and personal development are inseparable. You have to be looking at yourself all the time. Uh, if you don't look at yourself, your horses will look at you and tell you exactly what. Yeah, you know. I think it sounds like everybody should be should yeah. be going out and getting with the horse. 
Yeah, I mean, there is, there's a lot of yeah. um, equine assisted therapy and leadership training. We get all these, you know, corporate leaders and they put them in a, you know, place with a horse and the horse takes one look and goes, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and leaves the leader where, you know, the the janitor dude, the horses are all over him. Like, you're cool, you right. know, so it, it makes you really look at what does it mean to be a leader? Who, who's Who's wanting to follow you? Yeah. I believe, yeah, it would be, it'd be great if you're like wanting to hire five people and you bring them out and you're just like, I'm going to let the horse pick. (laughs) How many of your own horses do you have, Karen? Oh, I have six. Oh, and do you spend time with them each day? I mean, I'm sure your plate is pretty full, but that's probably like a, like a non-negotiable to spend time with them. Well, it is, as you say, you know, my husband learned really quickly, my my now husband, um, I have this thing called sacred horse time and it is absolutely non-negotiable. The first I get up and it's horse time until, until at least, you know, lunch. And that's just, I've always had that. It's just one of those things that like, you know, it's like, no, like, what do you mean? No. And, you know, sometimes, you know, cause I run my business and you know, it's like, there's a lot of stuff to do. And, you know, it's like, why don't you just, if you could just do this and what? No. No, emails are emails are later. <laughs> like I, and it's I'm so sort of amazed at how I've kept that because I'm a fairly accommodating, you know, person, but it's just it's kind of like the universe is like no, no, no. It's after I do horses, I can handle anything in the rest of the day. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I just got it the chills. Just, and more people need that, that sense of something. whatever it is, whether it's horses or yoga or running or meditation like something that fills your soul and actually then allows you to come to your life in all the other forms, uh, uh, just complete. And mm-hmm. people need those non-negotiables. Absolutely. And it, it helps is when meditation. it's a beautiful furry animal, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they're just, they're amazing. The energy of them is amazing. I Obviously, I'm addicted to it. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's, it's my morning meditation with them. Even, you know, sometimes I do meditate. I'm going to meditate, but most of the time I realize like it's, it is just my meditation. Meditation is many forms. It could be walking yeah. in the woods. It could be spending time with somebody. You love. I mean, it really is like whatever's going to bring you that mm. clarity, that non-scatteredness, that more centered feeling. So, yeah. So Karen, where can people find out more about you? I'm sure there's some horse people out there that are listening or maybe even not that want to find out more. Uh, where sure. can they find out more about you? Yeah, dressagenaturally.net is where you can find everything. So it's D-R-E-S-S-A-G-E, uh, dressagenaturally.net. And yeah, it's it, you can find everything there from a free videos, you know, three free videos if you just want to like get a little taste of what I do. I have a blog. I have a podcast that I started this year. There's a lot of information on my website. So it's really easy to poke around and get get some information and then, you know, you can get to my book or online programs or things like that. And, and I also, for anybody listening, I also started the last four years now uh, mentoring other heart-centered professionals uh, in the equine world because, uh, you know, I realize that sometimes the most humble heart-centered horse professionals are not the ones who are great at marketing themselves and holding themselves up. And I, the horse world needs 
more of these heart-centered, humble horse professionals. So I, I started mentoring them and so that they can succeed and they can find ways of owning their value and leveraging their time and being, you know, having a fulfilling and sustainable and profitable life that they can love in the horse business because I think the horse business needs more people that that think this way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I mean, everything just so resonated with me. I just have the chills. I'm like, I want to become a trissage pro. <laughs> I'm like, when am I going to have the time to do this? I will. I will Aww. definitely. First of all, I'm going to check out all this stuff, but it is, you just speak uh, my language and not just that. I think I think you just bring to light how important it is to self-reflect, to have a mirror and whether it's an actual like large you know, animal or, or just your own mirror of, of trying to be your best and most humble and least reactive because all yeah. those things. More really, curious. Mm-hmm, yeah. All those things. I love that. Well, thank you so much yeah. for taking the time to talk to me today. No, thank you so much. This was super, super fun. I love talking to you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. So everyone go check out Karen. And as always, I'm pulling for you. 